So good to be with you this morning. Um, so great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. It's good to be here. Um, I get to, we've been talking about a series called Prayer Through the Holidays, and I started off talking about faith in the holidays. Pastor Chris followed up with discipline and prayer, and then Pastor Sam gave us um, 10 things that we don't have to pray about, things that we already know that God believes in. So we're continuing that today, and I'm going to start off with a story. Um, there was this guy who ran cross-country. Um, why, I don't know. I don't know why you would like to run for competition. I ran track one year, and then I said, as I'm running around fast speed around this track, I'm like, I'm just running in a big circle. Why am I doing this? And I quit after that. Um, but this guy was a cross-country runner, and he was one of the top runners in the state. He was so good at cross-country, so good at just running, and he was in tip-top shape and everything. Um, big meet was coming up, and two weeks before, he hurts his knee. He hurts his left knee. And he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be ready to compete in the next meet. And, and so he's asleep one night, and all of a sudden, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he feels the Lord saying, go run. It's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, first of all, God, it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to run. And second of all, you know that my knee is hurt. Why am I going to go run? He said he couldn't go back to sleep. He heard this voice and say, go run. So he puts on his shoes, and he had been feeling the pain in his legs. He puts on his shoes, and as he, as he starts to trot, the pain's not there. And it's gone away, so he starts to run, and he runs four or five miles, no pain, completely healed because of what God told him to do. Competed the meet. He won the meet. Year later, big meet coming up. This man is a, not only is he cross country, he's a believer, so he's strong in his faith. Obviously, he heard from the Lord, hurts his other knee. He says, I know what you're going to do, God. Healing's coming. So he sets an alarm to wake up at the same time in the morning, the middle of the night, exactly two weeks before the meet, to go run. Because he said, God's healed me before. He's going to do it. He's going to heal me again. So he goes running, hurts his knee worse. Went to the doctor, and they said, we, you might have torn a muscle. You're going to be out for like four to five months. And he said, God, what happened? You healed me this way, and I was for sure you're going to heal me the exact same way. How come I did not receive my healing? Where were you? What happened? God said, I didn't tell you to go run. I told you to go run the first time. The second time, I wanted you to get rest. Why did you try to figure me out? Why were you so familiar with me that you feel like you can tell me how to be God? And the title of my message this morning is The Danger of Familiarity in Prayer. The Danger of Familiarity in Prayer. Now, I want to encourage you, this may not be the most happiest of messages that you're going to hear. And so if you have a problem with this message, you can email me. You may send the email to pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R-S-A-M, S-A-M, at nccTyler.org. That's right. That's Pastor Sam at nccTyler.org. If that one doesn't work, there's another one, 
Pastor Chris at nccthyler.org, and I promise they will respond and let you know um, about your complaint. Um, but I don't want us to realize that we're talking about prayer, and as believers, that's something we, we learn how to do early, but I don't want us to get too familiar with prayer, just like we have all heard this story. That's what made it funny is because you knew the story of Jesus being born. And as the kids came up with their own rendition, their own version of that, it was funny because you're like, that's not right. Oh, but they're so cute. That's not right. That's not what they're supposed to say. And so you already had a plan of what they were supposed to say in the video. Just like we can already have a plan of what God is supposed to do, of what he's supposed to say, how he's supposed to work, and we're not God. And that's okay. That's a good thing that we're not God. So we're going to be in the scripture. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And as you're going there, um, there will not be scriptures on the screen. There will not be notes. I take full responsibility. I've sent my notes in late. And so they could not get that on the screen because you never blame the sound technicians. You never blame the people that are working hard. Give them a hand, first of all, for all they do. Because two quick clicks of a button and all this stuff shuts down. So we want them to make sure everything is running. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Thank you. Thank you. They'd be like, no sound for you, no lights, going home. So don't make the sound people mad. And so Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 7. Verse 7, I'm reading out the New King James Version. And so... Are you there, church, this morning? Yeah. You're there. Okay. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. By night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly. Everybody say, and suddenly. suddenly. There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, let's read this together, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There was a multitude of angels that said this whenever Jesus was announced that he was coming. There was a fandom. There was a complete audience. There was an, a, a great celebration because Jesus was born, because he was coming, because the Messiah, the, the Savior, everyone they had been looking for, he was coming. And so there was, so there was this multitude of angels. And then there, there were shepherds, there was wise men that came and they brought gifts. And, and then even in, in one translation, one, uh, one version where it says that, that when, when Mary was walking with Jesus, that a prophet and a prophetess saw and stopped and worshiped and celebrated that he was here. So there was all this celebration. There was all of this, this great fanfare that came on. And then jump to verse 41. There was all this great stuff that happened. Luke 2, verse 41. And here's what happened later. So this is, 
This is, you got the special kid. He's awesome. He's smart. Here's what happens in verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And then he was 12 years old. They went to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. And suppose that they had him. They went a day's journey and were looking among their relatives because they were like, we can't find him. Now, it was after three days, everybody say three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. Again, you have the super special kid. You are responsible for him. He's the Savior. He is your child. Thank you, God. And they lost him. (laughs) They left him behind. They left him behind. And my first point, if you're taking for you note takers out there, my first point is familiarity can cause a lack of reverence. They had the baby. They had the special child. It's like, oh, my gosh, he's here. And they chose, God chose us. And they left him. They lost him. I remember when I first saved money because in the Sims household, um, my parents did not spend money on video games for us. They're like, let's waste our money. Why? If we got a video game system, it was because my uncle brought up, shout out to my Uncle John, love you, um, he buys gifts, but they did. So when I saved up money and I finally got a chance the first time I bought the original Xbox, and I was so excited. The controllers were like this big. When I bought it and I played with it, you know what I did when I put it up? I put it back in the box. And I closed it up and I put it under my bed. And I was like, no one's going to break this. Nothing's going to happen to this because this was so precious to me. I had spent my hard-earned money in it. And I didn't want my brothers and my sisters to tear it up. I had so much reverence for a video game system. And at times, we can lose our reverence for the things of God because we have become so familiar with the tradition of Sunday mornings. And we're used to coming in, and I've got my seat, and if you're sitting in my seat, we won't have a problem. Because I always sit here. I always park there. Why are you parking in my seat? I know no one's marked it as my parking spot, but everybody knows that's where I park. And why are you sitting in my seat? That's where I always sit. I have one and two and three and four before my kids. Why are you sitting? Now we got to find somewhere else to sit. Oh, messing things up. Because we're, we're losing the idea of why we do this in the first place. This is for the the glory of the Lord. We come and we get to be in his presence. We get to be in the presence of the one who died for you, of the one who, who, who knows you so much and he loves you so much despite anything that you can do. There's nothing that you can do to make him change his mind about how he feels for you about how he loves you. You can be, you can label yourself as a screw-up. He never labels you as a mistake. I'm going to say that again. You can label yourself as a screw-up. He never designates you as a mistake. He never says, messed up on that one. Mm, I probably should have, uh, I created him with, he's, he's all weird. I just... I'll just move on. Maybe his brother has more giftings. God does not do that. God does not do that. He does not lose faith in us. Amen? But they lost him. They lost reverence. And I remember 
when I had the opportunity to shadow this youth pastor out in Arizona, and his name was Chad Johnson, Pastor Chad Johnson, and I was 18 or 19 when I stayed, lived with him for about two or three months, got to go to ministry with him and all this stuff, and one time we were having dinner, and my sister was, it was me, Pastor Chad, and my sister, and we were talking about things, and he, I had told him about this girl I really was fond of. Her name was Olivia, and I was telling him about her, and he was like, yes, yeah, something, there's something different about this one to you. And my sister, being big sister, not that she didn't like Olivia, she loved Olivia. She loved Olivia. But big sister was like, no, no, it's just a little crush, you know, there's nothing there. There's, a, there's not anything he needs to be thinking about. Pastor Chad said, yes, there is. I said, well, I mean, well, I mean, I like her a lot, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. He was like, no, nah, there's something different this time. I said, well, really, how do you know? He said, watch this. And he goes, Olivia. And I go, <laughs> I was like, hold on, that was fake. That was that was eleven. Let me, let me, you know, I'm a, I'm a man. I, I, I got this. I got this. Let me try this. Try it again. Try it again. I'm ready. He said, Olivia. <laughs> and then, sure enough, at that, it was like her ears were burned. She's like, I need to call right now. So then she called, and I got excited when she called. I wonder, do we still get excited about certain things in our life when your significant other calls? Do you get excited or is that, what does she want now? Like, do you do that? Because you, you may not say that out loud, but in your heart and your mind, what are you thinking when your significant other calls? Because you used to be excited. You used to, this, the simple thought of your loved one would just get you joyous. Or maybe when you, had, when you held your, your, your newborn kid the first time and you were so excited and now they're picking up boogers and they're flicking them at people. And you're just like, why did your father teach you that? And you're just like, or maybe they do something like, look what I did. And they're just like, where did you, why were your hands in your diaper? Like what? Like maybe there's these things that happen and we can lose that lack of just of reverence and appreciation for things because we've gotten so familiar. Let's not forget, let's not get familiar with, with God and with miracles and with healing that we lose that reverence for him. I'm going to move on, okay? So I got three points. Point number two, familiarity can breed complacency. Complacency is defined as pleased, especially with oneself or one's merits, advantages and situation, and self-satisfied. Mark 4, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read this. I just want you to listen. Mark 4, 38 through 40. It said, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Complacency. They had become complacent in their walk with Jesus. They, had, they were walking with Jesus. They saw him do these miracles. They saw him perform all these things. And when a storm came, they were focused on the storm. And they didn't realize that life and power was sitting right with them. What should have happened is during the storm, they should have looked and said, Jesus is asleep. Give me a pillow. I want to sleep too because I'm just going to cuddle next to Jesus because that's where 
I know protection is, and it should have been like, we all just going to sleep with Jesus, because if Jesus sleep, I should be asleep. But no, there was, there was fear, and they had walked with him. They had eaten with him. They had seen him do great things, but that complacency had just set in. That, oh, they know that's what Jesus does. Ah, I, I know that. That person had leprosy, and they're supposed to die, but they're healed now. You know, that's just Jesus. He's doing his Jesus thing. How many of us have these, have these great things that God has done in our life, that God has done for you? I know some of you are sitting here right now today, and in your mind, you're like, I should not be alive. I should not be here. But God. But God had a different plan for my life. God had a different plan for your life. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to know all the scriptures. You don't have to know, be able to quote everything. You've got a testimony to say that I should have been here, but I'm here today because God loves me and he has a plan for my life. You've got a testimony, church. I want to echo what Terrence said. You have got gifts, you have got talents, and you have got abilities that this body needs, this church needs, your family needs. You do not have to have the correct credentials. You do not have to have the degree in theology. You do not have to have the right job. You have a testimony right here, right now. And we don't need to be complacent. Now is not the time to be complacent. Point number three. Familiarity can cause limitations. In Mark chapter 6, we've read this before. If you've been in any church service or listened to any speaker for a number of years, they're going to go to this verse. And verse 1 says, That he went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which was given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? His hometown had every reason to believe him. Because they just said, who is this? They knew about the works that he'd done. It wasn't like they didn't hear about it, didn't know. They knew. So they had every reason to believe him. But they chose not to believe him. Verse 3 says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? This is not that, isn't, that, isn't that Mary's boy? Isn't that Joseph's boy? Not his sisters here with us, so they were offended with him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and his own house. So now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and they were healed. And he marveled because of their unbelief. His hometown had every reason to believe him. His hometown chose to be offended. And when we accept familiarity like they did. They referenced who he was. They referenced facts. When we accept familiarity, we reject intimacy. We reject that intimacy. That was a good point, wasn't it? If you're listening, 
on a podcast later. I stole this from a friend of mine. His name's Pastor Jeremy, and he preached on this. It's so amazing. But that point stuck with me. I said, that was from the Lord. He said, it was. I said, I'm going to use that. He said, okay. So when we accept familiarity, we reject intimacy. So what I want you to know today is that I don't want you to take for granted the things of God. But what he's done and what he's doing. Now is not the time to slow down, church. Now is the time to go deeper with him, take your prayer life to the next level. As I said earlier, you need it, but your circle of influence needs it. This church needs it. This world needs it. Because I don't want us to be like in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, And the generation that came after him did not know God and the great things that he had done. And that was the, that was the story that was told because the generation after the, the children of Israel that had came out of slavery, that had walked in the desert and had God provide for them constantly, said the generation after him did not know God and the things that he had done. And so they turned away from him. So this morning, I want you to know, if you remember nothing else, remember this, that God has a plan for your life, and he has given you, not my older brother's the one that knows the Lord, my parents were the one that walked the Lord, he has given you talents, he's given you giftings, and he's given you so much more that we are not a full functioning body without you stepping into your place of what God has called you to be. Because there are people that are out there that hold the door and say, God bless you, how are you doing? That in that moment breaks down a wall. That there are people that serve coffee and donuts and their, their face serving someone begins to break down a wall. And there are ushers that hold the door in the sanctuary and let them go out. That Guess what? They begin to break down a wall. That there are greeters that, that are smiling and welcoming people and, just, and people like Miss Debbie. We need more Miss Debbies. We only got one that's amazing, but guess what? She can teach, she can trail, and you can watch her and then you can copy her and that, that loving spirit that she has, you can begin to say, God, I want that and begin to replicate that in your life. And you can spread the same joy that she spreads and begin to break down wall. We love you, Miss Debbie. There are people that serve and sound and tech that make sure everything keeps running so that the spirit of the Lord can go forth. There are places for all of us to serve. And I'm not saying this because we need more people to serve. We need more people to serve. I'm saying this because I don't want you to get so caught up in life that you miss life. I don't want you to get so caught up in doing your motions and doing the things that you do. And Monday we have here, we have this practice. And Tuesday we have this practice. And then Wednesday we'll go to church for a little bit. And then Thursday we have this. And then Sunday we'll go sit. And you miss it. You miss life because you're so caught up doing life. I don't want that for you, church. I don't want that. We don't want that for your life. Because God wants to speak through you, through your life. 
You don't have to know the scriptures. You don't have to have this, this well-planned-out thought message. I got three points, and I got extra points underneath. You could just say, God loved me enough that when I should have been gone, when no one else was there, that his love came to me, and he said, I have got a plan for you. And that's your testimony. And that is what somebody around you needs to hear. There's somebody in your life that needs to know that God is good, and the only way they're going to see it is through your life. The only way they're going to see it is from you saying that I used to be addicted to, to alcohol, I used to be addicted to, to, to smoking and drugs, and I know I've fallen back several times, but God is still good. They need to hear that testimony. Someone needs to hear that. Someone doesn't need to hear the testimony of everything's great in my life. Some people need to see the testimony of I failed several times, but thank God for his mercy and his grace for me. Somebody needs to hear that, church, and it can only come from you. It can't come from Pastor Sam. It can't come from Pastor Chris because that person won't receive it. But if it comes from you, if they see it in your life, their life will be changed. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? I don't want us to get too familiar, Lord. We don't get too familiar with you, Lord, that we lose our reverence, that we become complacent, Father. And we just say, oh, well, this is just what we usually do. But God, right now, we make a decision in our minds that no longer, Father, are we going to just sit back and be on cruise control in this life and in our relationship with you. Some, I believe there's someone here this morning that need to know that you're so valuable. That you're so valuable that the, that, that, that the place in God's kingdom was created just for you and no one else can fill that role except you. Because you're looking on the outside and you're saying that I don't have all the necessary qualifications to minister. And God says, yes, you do because you're my child. And I don't want to miss this opportunity for us to, to begin to pray with you and encourage you. And I know we, again, the routine is, okay, the, the music's playing there's going to be people down at the front, and that's what we usually do. But we do this to connect with you, to agree with you. That you're going to step higher and step forward into your relationship with God. And yes, there will be people down here front to pray with you. And they can come right now if you're... You know, our ministry team, for those of you that stay in minister, that pray up front, come down now. And if that's you, that you're saying, it's time for me to step forward, it's time for me to step into more, I would like for you to come and get prayer and let us agree with you. Because no longer are we going to be a complacent church. Complace, there is no room in the kingdom for complacent Christianity. And if God is speaking to you this morning about that, if he's stirring that into you, I want you to go ahead and come right now to receive prayer for someone to agree with you. 
And as I'm saying this, God is putting people in my head right now. I will not embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to find you after service and tell you. But your giftings and your talents are needed. What you've been given is needed. It is needed. It is needed. It is not something, not just wanted, it is needed in the church. It is needed in the body. As my wise friend Gideon Brown once said, of all the occupations in the world, Jesus was the son of a carpenter because he's building something. That was great, Gideon. That was a great word. He's building something, church. He's building something in you. Let him build. Let him build. Stop resisting. Stop fighting. Just let go. Let him build. I don't care where, I don't care how far gone you feel like you're off the path. Let him start building today. Come receive prayer. Let him start building that in you. Let him start creating that. Because God doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to erase everything. we got to start over. Nope. You could have been on fire when you were 20 and then been gone away for 20 years. And you're just now coming back. God says, guess what? I remember where you were. We're 20. We're going to pick up right where we left off. God is ready to build in our lives right now. No longer are we going to hold back. No longer are we just going to say, I've been doing this this way. Step up higher. If you're already serving, step up higher. Step up into more. God needs it. This world needs it. God wants you to be a part. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, what you're building, and new covenant, and in this people, and in this lives, and this family, Father. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.